0: This is an Aim High U production. Today on The Purpose Lab.
1: I went from a, a disengaged employee to an engaged employee to a sole trader, business owner, you know, with a real entrepreneurial inner fire. Seeing that is what fueled my passion for wanting to coach people in boxing
0: listening audience i'm so excited for our next guest and i know you always hear me say i'm excited and i think i'm excited because well i know i'm excited because we have always had an opportunity to get some wonderful people to be a part of this podcast and so tiffany this podcast is called the purpose lab where our hope and our effort and what we're trying to do is we're trying to interview the world's most successful failures, people who truly understand that failure is part of success, that failure is just something that happens to us. And it when it happens to us, we understand it is happening for us to ultimately get us in that success place. So let me do the intro of our next guest. And she's um she's joining us all the way from Australia. And so I think we're going to hear mate a lot, right? And so I can't wait to hear the mate a whole bunch. So here we go. So I love what she says in her in her bio. She says everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. Tiffany Cook has learned this as a businesswoman, performance coach and boxer from the comfort and predictability and safety provided by the corporate world to the lessons and letdowns in and out of the boxing ring, coming to the realization that in order to have one's hand raised in triumph, adversity, discomfort and combat, one must navigate. In the face of the messiness of life, do we fight or do we flee? I'm gonna stop there. Do we fight or do we flee? So Tiffany. first of all, tell us how you got into this field called boxing, which has been predominantly seen as this male-dominated sport, but then you see these beast of people that come in and say, "Wait a minute, ah me too. <laughs> right? And so tell us how you got started.
1: <laughs> I love it. Firstly, can I do I get to call you doc?
0: You can call me whatever, but I gotta hear "mate" at least seven times during this interview.
1: All right, but mate. Can... Well, that's a given. That's a given. Because, yeah. like I said, you couldn't have picked a more bogan Australian. If you don't know that term, look it up. Um, interesting, interesting entry into the sport. I was I was twenty nine before I stepped into the boxing ring, doc. Um, wow. Yeah, and never into sport before that. I worked in corporate my whole life i was born in tassie and you said earlier before the show that you're familiar only with the tassie devil
0: <laughs> yes that's <laughs> so it i
1: grew up in tassie it's a it's a small small state off the bottom of australia separated by a little cut of water and okay. as i approached my 20s i moved over to melbourne to the big smoke to the big to chase the big city life and okay. after almost 10 years Working and doing the thing and, you know, chasing the corporate dreams and climbing the corporate ladder, I, I stumbled into the boxing ring through a corporate boxing challenge, a 12-week boxing challenge. Kind of absolutely crazy because at the time there was not a sporting bone in my body. I had athletic ability as a kid but zero dedication or commitment or willingness to to kind of utilise any of that. So, yeah, the I guess the, the facade of stepping into the boxing ring with the blokes. I was always a, a chick that liked to do the blokey stuff. You know, what can I do okay. that chicks don't do?
0: You, you know, so it's funny. You said it was a challenge. So, wait, I'm not going to let you just go over that. So, you said it was a challenge. So, when you heard the word challenge in the corporate world, what did your mind think?
1: I mean... I mean, I love it. <laughs> I looked. At, I remember going. I went to this talk on resilience, and it was held above a gym by a neuroscientist mm. and a former Navy aircrew officer. And I loved what I heard. But he owned the gym, and so we went downstairs and we had a look through the gym. And in the very downstairs basement was called Basement Boxing, and it was a boxing gym. And they had this mm. massive sign up with a couple of blokes in suits with boxing gloves on, and it was like Executive Fight Club. And I just looked at that and I went, can, can chicks do that? I'm, I am in, right? <laughs> now, I had probably donned a couple of pink, pale pink boxing gloves a handful of times just to scoot down the road and do your, you know, your fitness boxing session. And I kind of laughed because I used to think as I was hitting the bag, flailing around, I used to think to myself, I would love nothing more than the trainer to come and tap me on the shoulder and go hey, you got, some, you got something you should fight. Wow. But it, I remember wow. feeling like that and thinking having this idea that competing in a sport like that is an elite thing that you, like if you have got it, then someone will come along and tap you on the shoulder and tell you you should do mm. this. Otherwise, you there was no way in the world I would have asked a trainer to train me and even contemplated the idea of fighting. Yeah. So yeah. when I saw that poster, it was like my entry in. I was like, well, mm. if this is what. If this is what anyone can do, I'm anyone. Um, <laughs> what an experience. What an experience. It was the most confronting 12 weeks of my life.
0: Tell me about that. Tell us about that.
1: I've got a big mouth, right? I'm a bit I'm a bit of a you know, I'm a bit shouty and I'm a bit um braggy. <laughs> and I told a lot of people. I told everybody I knew. I am having a professional boxing fight and you guys got to come and watch me. I'm getting in the ring in 12 weeks. And within a handful of weeks when we first started doing the first drills where we had to learn how to do defences and block a punch, so we're standing next to – I was partnered up with someone I'd become really good friends with, so not at all intimidating, although she had Mm -hmm. a set of guns that made me terrified, (laughs) so I should have been. (laughs) Uh, I remember standing in front of her and, you know, we just had to reach our arm out with our glove on and just, you know, very softly enact a punch. And yes. as our partner did that, we had to put our glove up and roll with it and just, you know, start to learn the movement. Well, I could not mm-hmm. keep my eyes open and I had a lump the size of, I was going to say air's Rock, but you might not know what that is. That's an Australian. Yeah, we
0: don't know. <laughs> okay, okay. That's Australian. Um, I had a, okay. had a
1: huge lump in my throat and I was so okay. confronted and I just thought I can't control my body. I can't control mm-hmm. my emotions right now. I feel like I'm going to cry or like, a, oh, and wow. I'm not, I was not a cry. I didn't cry in front of anyone. So I was like, okay. as soon as this uh, session's finished, I'm going to hop in my car and I am just going to, I'm just going to cry my eyes out cause this is too much. Yeah. And yeah. I just thought, how am I going to, I've told hundreds of people I'm going to do this. I can't even keep my eyes open.
0: <laughs> can't the, stop now. <laughs> yeah,
1: what the hell? Um, but I kept showing up and I kept doing the work and I kept being confronted but, you know, next minute it was the day of the fight and if I thought the last 12 weeks were hard, just roll them all up into one ball and turn it into one day times 10, that's how I felt that day and I remember saying I'd had one hour sleep because I'd had an anxiety attack the night before and couldn't sleep and I remember saying I will never, ever, ever do something like this again in my life. There was nothing that could possibly be worth the way I feel today wow. and I meant that I was like oh we'll, you know I'll never allow myself to feel like this again mm. so we had the fight and I remember actually first my one of my my best friend she fought in the first fight and she won and when oh, she wow. won they handed her the microphone and she started speaking and then I had a second level of panic and thought oh wow. God I can't. <laughs> I I don't want to win because I don't want to have to talk in front of all these people. So these, yeah, yeah, really conflicting feelings. Then next minute people rushing around. So you
0: were going to throw the fight? You were going to throw the fight just because you did not want to speak? So you were about to throw the fight?
1: But I kind of (laughs) think, yeah, like I was just kind (laughs) of torn. I was like, I don't really know. Fortunately, I was so, everything was just such a whirlwind that I guess I didn't really have time to think. You're just kind of in the middle of it and, and, you know, I was just rolling with the punches, Doc. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, Um, yeah. But I remember I won the fight and my hand got raised and I'll tell you what, much like these days, you couldn't get that mic away from me.
0: <laughs> wow. wow. Wow.
1: Yeah, so-, so the adrenaline and just the, the feeling afterwards of realising that I stepped in and I did it anyway. And it wasn't about wow. the win, it was just about having sat with the discomfort of something I feared so much on so many levels and and stuck with it and and went through it and i just thought wow, wow like that is the, the, the other feeling for the whole day beforehand paled into comparison with that
0: so so let me ask you a question so let's let's kind of dissect this a little bit so you talked about the fear and getting over that fear and i'm sure and and, and i don't want to go past that right now but i want to go back a little bit What was it that made you stay in there and hang in there, even though you were fearful and you didn't want to do it, but you kept saying, now, was it the people you told that you were going to be there? What was all these other commitments or was it something inside of you that wouldn't let you stop?
1: That's a really good question. I think there was probably leads into a lot of the stuff that I learned a year, a couple of years into boxing, which got pretty deep and unexpected, but there was something inside me that, that wasn't gonna let me quit, and I ne- and I noticed over the next couple of years of boxing, I started kind of looking at it, thinking, what it, what is, what is it about this sport that's drawing me in on a level that I haven't experienced before? Because I, I wasn't someone that, like I said before, if I wasn't good at something already, I didn't put, I didn't do it, I didn't stick at things. I was kind of known as, you know, I remember. One of my bosses at the time, his wife used to come into work all the time and say, "Oh, what are we doing this week?" Because I was, you know, one week it's Bikram yoga, and the next week, next week it's going to boxing classes, and the next week I'm mm. going to be I'm a runner, and you know, mm. I'd, the next shiny object. But boxing, mm. I just kept doing it, and it was also something that I wasn't naturally good at, or didn't perceive myself as being naturally good at. So I that raised a lot of curiosity for me.
0: Mm. Mm. So the curiosity. So let me ask you a question. So going through the training, going through the training, and you said it was difficult. Once again, you still had to do something different that you weren't used to because you, reading your bio, you said you were comfortable. So hmm. what was it that made you have to say, you know what, in order for me to stick with this, I have to be uncomfortable. How important is being uncomfortable?
1: Oh, that is my motto for life now. Like if wow. I'm not feeling a level of discomfort in most things I do, I'm dissatisfied. I know I'm not. I'm not going anywhere. So it's become a real motto for life. Prior to that, I didn't do discomfort. Mm. You know, I I just and I didn't really think about it, and I didn't really t- look at growing and changing and evolving. I, you know, I, I I think I aimed for easy targets that I thought that I knew that I had certainty about. Wow.
0: Wow. yeah i like i like that you said that you aimed for easy targets and it sounds like this target wasn't as easy because it wasn't just about you you were going against this competitor as well that if you mm-hmm. didn't have your stuff together you could get knocked out and hit in the face as you talked about right
1: exactly and i often talk about when i reflect back i think of how it felt and what what i would think you know i was i'm very all or nothing so i remember I would go for walks and I was just I would think about training, and I would visualise, and I would be, you know, really embodying everything I went through. And when I and I always found that when I tried to explain this to people, I couldn't. It sounded weird to me, but in my head, there was this knowing, this absolute certainty, and knowing that I had that I would win. I would win mm. the fights that I was training to win because I had what it took. I, I had something, and I and I just knew that undoubtedly. But at the same time, I felt incredibly, almost embarrassed about my level of training, my skills and ability. I, like I was, with my, we'd, we'd be training, I'd be training with my teammates and I would just feel like the most useless one in the gym. And was quite aware of that and feeling like that, so it's which really interests me because it's they're two complete opposite ends of the scale, and I was aware of them both. Uh, but fortunately, that that initial one really—I mean, that's what that's what creates a win. Mm. That's what matters most because we—I think that—and it's become really—I mean, it becomes apparent in everything we do in life. But there's all I always notice that that kind of imposter, that person that feels like. I'm absolutely hideous at whatever I'm doing. And, you know, yeah. I've just learned to, fortunately, I've seen the results in the boxing ring that, that that side of me doesn't actually matter much. It's there, it's like a heckler in in the crowd, mm. but it doesn't actually have much say as long mm. as I've got that other voice that's stronger in the background.
0: I love that you said that. So, and I was talking to um, some of my athletes this week and I was talking about that self-talk, right? And I love that you said the heckler, Because that's always going to be there. Whenever we try something different, whenever we try to do something that even no one's ever done or we've never done it, we got that self-talk. We got that self-talk that has to be more powerful than the talk that we're hearing amongst other people, right? Mm. And so how important is it as you were going through this? Because you said your friend fought before you. Did you guys have conversation about what that night was going to look like?
1: We, We were both very similar people. And so, yeah, like we there was there was no conversation about there being any other option than either of us winning <laughs> okay okay so yeah the conversation was was very much that you know it, i never mm. i never voiced i don't think i ever really voiced the the other that, that imposter side of me i never really gave that any airtime to other people you know i, I felt mm. it and i might have brought it up here and there or but not really
0: Okay.
1: I just now, never let it win.
0: Definitely never let it win. I love it. How um so was everybody supportive of you, of you doing this? Your family, everyone or or did you have some people who were telling you maybe you shouldn't do this or was everybody supportive?
1: Everyone was supportive. Everyone, even okay. even my mom and dad. My dad was okay. my, my dad is, remains my biggest fan. Like wow. he was hugely supportive of it.
0: Mm. Was that important for you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I think unknowingly at the time, I think a lot of things that I did in life was to prove myself and to gain worthiness and approval and and a whole range of things. So, yeah, it absolutely was a a drive. I mean, that's why I was always so loud about it. Hey, look at me.
0: (laughs) Wow. Love me. (laughs) (laughs) For that approval, right? Yeah. Love it. Love it. Yeah. So so, so. let's fast forward a little bit. So now I, I see that you train. I see that you have some virtual boxing programs. I see you have this mentoring program and different things like that. And so I know the confidence is there now. So did you, after you continue to go on through this process, did you just start getting more and more confident? And, 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 and did you ever have a loss in your boxing career?
1: I did. I did have a loss. I remember my first loss, I... I changed coaches, and hmm. in the midst of that, I was coming back from injury. And my initial coach had said there were there were fights coming up in March, and he'd said you won't be ready by that time. You won't be able to get fit enough because I couldn't at my with my the injury I was coming back from. I could only start training two days a week, then three days a week. So it was. Yeah, I was never going to have the fitness there, but I went to my new coach. He was far more relaxed. He's like, "Yeah, you know, because my, my best mate she was training with this coach as well, so she was fighting." And he's like, "Yeah, you'll be right, mate." <laughs> I'm like, "All right, okay, okay we could do Let's this. Do it." <laughs> and I remember <laughs> coming back. So I would come back to the corner after the first round of that fight, and this girl, the girl that I fought, and funnily enough, I ended up joining the. Um, the coach that she coached with years later and she became a teammate, stable mate for me. But I remember she just came in and this this particular gym was known for, you know, creating these very aggressive boxes that, you know, these walk forward style boxes. And she just yeah. came in with all this power and might and she had a couple of kilos on me, which kind of matters in the mm-hmm. boxing ring. Yeah. And she got me on the back foot and it was it was a level of it was a style of fighting that I'd never really had to work much with and it just I just couldn't keep up. I just couldn't mm-hmm. couldn't get the space and deal with what was coming on and I'm walking back to the corner and my coach goes Well, it can't it can't get much worse than that. So I'm like
0: what? Wow. <laughs>
1: well it can. It can happen another two rounds now. Like have you got anything more positive to tell me? <laughs>
0: wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and so so, what did you learn from that? What did you because because remember once again, this podcast is called the Purpose Lab, where we're on a mission to interview the world's most successful failures. So, what did you learn from that particular fight that helps you go on?
1: Yeah, I think I learned that. I mean, you've got to have all your ducks in a row. You can't. Mm. You can't. You've got to be ready to step in. If you've got to do the work. You can't just step in and wing it. And if you do wing it, you've got to be prepared that. You know, the reason, you know, it showed me that the reason that I had won my all my previous fights was because I just put in the work and I fought my butt off when I got inside those ropes. But I did the work. I did the work and I was at a, a, a level of fitness that was always going to see me through. I had a good level of strength for the size I was fighting at. Mm-hmm. So for that weight range, my punches were generally going to land harder than a lot of my opponents. And mm. my endurance, my, my fitness, cardio endurance was kind of next level. So I could weather a few at the start. As long as I could get through that, my fitness was going to come through, you know, especially mm. by the second and third rounds.
0: Okay. And so I noticed you said as well that you then later joined the stable of these young ladies who would move forward. So, is that something that you wanted to add to your toolbox? Is that something that you okay? I haven't fought like this, and so maybe I need to add a little bit more of this as well. Why was that important, or is that what um, you thought?
1: That wasn't necessarily why I joined that that particular stable. I I just found myself looking for the type of training that resonated with me. The type of training that I felt. Gave me a push and gave me the understand. It's really important for me to understand the technical side of what you're getting me to do. I'm, I like to be very involved in the training, and you know, don't just tell me to do something. Tell me how to do it and tell me why to do it, and let me understand the full process. That's kind of how I've always. i you know, I like to be quite technical, which is interesting because it was you know, it was the being too technical in that fight that was that was my downfall. It was the ability mm-hmm. to to not just just let it go, Hmm. you know, and I think I always, that was the area of fighting where I did so like I would go in and and just I guess throw flurries but I I liked to be at a distance and I would get very easily frustrated when a fight turned into a a brawl or a mess. It was like, hey, can you like get back and let's box, like let's, let's, (laughs) this is you know, like it was, you know, this is a sport, let's do, you know. Yeah, yeah. Do it that way
0: but but you couldn't control that
1: no and control yeah that's a yeah. control yeah. was a interesting you say that control <laughs> you know when i looked at what what is it about this sport what's drawn me into it what's resonating what is on some level uh, like flicking my switches and i felt like control was a big thing control was mm. something that i'm in the boxing ring there's one person standing in front of me. There's a whole team of people out there that want me to do well, but I'm the only one. I'm the only variable that can make a change here right now. So mm. it was the ability to control an outcome, control my emotions, control what is seen, control how I feel. Like I feel like that that resonated to me quite a bit.
0: Mm. So... Talking about that, and we've been focused on boxing, transition to how this happens in a corporate ro- world. What are some things that you've learned in boxing that you know are transferable to, um, to the people who are listening, who maybe not aren't boxers that are listening to this podcast, that listen to your podcast, that how do you hmm. transfer these skills over?
1: Well, it's funny. I feel like a, there was two to three or maybe even four years of skills transferring over before I kind of glanced over my shoulder and went, wow, this sport, this turning up to the boxing gym, sweating, throwing punches, getting uncomfortable and going home every single day has instilled incredible skills and strategies and understandings and ideas that have played out in my life, my personal life and my professional life. And I so I went, I looked back and went, I went from a, a disengaged employee to an engaged employee, to a sole trader, business owner, you know, with a real entrepreneurial inner fire. Um, yeah, like seeing that drove me, seeing that is what fueled my passion for wanting to coach people in boxing. And, you know, I, I kind of felt like I was I was blown along for the ride, you know, a bit like a tumbleweed. I'd, mm-hmm. I, Each step of the way was, I feel like I was kind of nudged. So that first fight challenge that I was in, that was sponsored by Save the Children, mm. which is a charity in Australia and they auctioned off a spot on, their, on a fundraising event, their first Australian fundraising event. And... The next day, one of my mates that came to watch the fight, he rang me and he said, "Oh, I bought. So I bought this thing at the auction, and I thought it was a trip for two, like holiday. And they've just rang me, and it's a spot on this trek for one person, and you've got to yep. raise ten thousand dollars to go on it. Do you want it? Because I don't. Because I'm not doing that. <laughs> and you know, he <laughs> wow. paid two grand for it. So I was like, uh, Ah, yeah. yeah, I'll take it.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely.
1: And so." Myself and my my best mate, she ended up getting for her birthday, asking everyone to check in and buy her a spot. So we did that fundraiser together and we did that event together. Mm. And long story short, one of the things that we auctioned off for our fundraising event was a Certificate 3 in fitness that was provided Mm. to me. And Mm. no one bought it. So I ended up um, jumping on and buying it for $500, which was really cheap. I never planned to be a personal trainer at all. Even mm. when I bought that, I thought, "Oh, this would be interesting. Maybe one day, maybe one day it'll just give me it'll open a door for me." I really enjoy this stuff. Took me a couple of years to complete because I didn't think I was going to do it. But as I completed it, one of my my friends that I know through business networking, he said to me, "When do you finish that course?" And I said, "Oh, this Sunday, thank <laughs> God." And he goes, "All right, as of Monday, I'm I'm training with you. You're my trainer. You just tell me how often and how much." And I was like. Well, Uh, okay. Yeah. And I had two friends that did that. And then within six months I had to make the decision to quit my corporate job because I was too busy and, you know, yeah, it was a hard decision. I I loved my job. I had a great job and worked for a great company. But I just remember thinking there are people that have chased this path that would give anything Mm. to be six months in. And be able to let go of their job, and I've done it without really kind of wanting it. So mm. I thought I just feel like I have no right to not give it a go. What's the worst that could happen? I fall flat mm. on my face? I'll get up, brush myself off, and I'll go get a job again. Hopefully, wow. my old boss will take me back because he's awesome.
0: <laughs> there you go. Wow. Yeah. So yeah. So is that a message that you would tell? Anyone, because I, I know for entrepreneurs, especially, but not just entrepreneurs, people who are struggling making that decision because that comfort zone, right? And you yeah. talked earlier about, you know, being disc, being uncomfortable, how important that is. So is yeah. that kind of the message that you tell different people now?
1: A hundred percent, a hundred percent, you know, and it, and it happened again, I guess, with my podcast throughout lockdown. I own a couple of gyms now. And they shut down, and my ability to make income shut down. I'm in Victoria in Australia, which was the world's longest lockdown period. Um, mm. So I got busy doing this podcast, and again, it just took off, and people would turn their heads and go, Everything you do touches, everything you touch turns to gold. What is it's going awesome. on? I'm like, oh. But when I look back at why things work or, Well, one, I'm quite, I get very passionate and Mm. kind of obsessive. So Mm. I'm either all in or I'm all out. So definitely Mm. not everything I touch turns to gold, that's for sure. Mm. But if it does, I'm kind of loud about it. Like I said, there's not much (laughs) that people don't. You know, like I share the journey and it's not from a place of, It's not from a place, normally it's from a place of disbelief, like, oh, wow, this was amazing. I feel amazed by this, that this has happened far out, you know, and I just let people see that. And I I think there's power in it because I know know who I was before boxing and I know the level of self-confidence I had and still have and I Mm. know how it might look from the outside but I'm also, I have the ability to communicate and I think that it brings people a sense of reality that, there's nothing more powerful than someone you look up to saying, "Hey, I feel like an imposter, and I've got no mm. self-confidence. I feel like I'm really crap at this, but I'm doing it anyway. And oh, look mm. at the results I'm getting! Mm. You know, mm. those have been the people in my life that have that have given me the most inspiration and motivation to take to take action on things."
0: Wow, tell me about some of those people who who encouraged you and that you look at. Um, as people who, like you just said, encourage you to take action? Who are some of those people and, and how did they help you?
1: Well, well, there's one really big one and that's a guy by the name of Craig Harper in Australia. He's the first Australian person to have opened a personal training studio back in 1983 when it wasn't really a thing here back then. So he made waves in the industry These days, he is a motivational speaker and he holds events and he does a lot of, um, I guess, personal growth things. He's studying neuroscience. He's interested in human behavior and all of the things that interest me. And I've followed his his work for four or five years now, probably more, Mm -hmm. and I remember... Maybe three to four years ago I'd, I booked a one-on-one coaching session. I like to say to him I, I got a kid near a move to pay for that. I booked a one-on-one <laughs> coaching session thinking I don't really know what I want to get out of this and I don't really know what to ask for but I, I just oh, hopefully I'll get it. And I walked yeah. away from that session and I just thought I don't know how he did it but I feel like I got everything I needed from that chat. Wow. But um. He he's been huge in, you know, I have I started, I walked away from that and I said, I'm going to, I'm going to, just like the, just like I'm going to win that fight. I said mm-hmm. only to myself in my head, I'm going to work with that guy one day, I'm going to be a part of his thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, no one does because he has one girl that works for him, that's worked for him for a very long time, a business partner and no one else. Mm-hmm. And... This year in October, this last year in October, he rang me and said, your podcast has grown really well. I'd like you to wow. co-host and produce one app a week on my podcast. And two weeks ago, he just officially brought me on to the team as a as wow. podcast senior podcast producer it. yeah, so.
0: Wow, congrats, congrats. Thank you, congrats. thank you.
1: But um, I guess- wow. The same with him and I've told him a million times that the times that I remember burned in my memory is the times that he's impacted me the most so the times when he's openly talked and I love it especially from a bloke, from a dude mm. to say that he feels sometimes imposter syndrome and this and that and, you know, I was like, oh, so if you feel like that and you're way up there, then I can feel like this and I can just get a start. Yeah and yeah. maybe that feeling's never and it goes up and down over time but maybe it's never ever going to go away but maybe it doesn't matter. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's it's so funny. I was I was listening to one of the co-founders of Netflix and he was doing an interview and in the interview he said every idea sucks. He said Netflix sucked. He said, "But what happened was we put it out there and then we pivot" And then we made it better to where now it doesn't suck. He said, what happens if we're so fearful to do that thing, but it's not supposed to be perfect right away? It's not. No idea. Amazon was a, a bookstore, right? And now look what it's doing. Yeah. But ideas suck. And then we build on them. We make them better or we pivot and we change and we do something else. So it's funny that you talked about that vulnerability of these people that we look up to and we think that they just got it made, right? Think that, like you said, everything you touch turns gold. You're like, uh, no, that's not exactly true. <laughs> but yeah. you don't give up. You completely you continue to push, you continue to step in the ring. Right. And so um, congratulations on working with someone who did, who you manifested and said, I'm going to work with you. Cause I think we all have that ability. I think we just Mm -hmm. have to, once again, do that thing that's going to suck and put ourselves out there. as fearful as it may be. And I did hear you when you said, if it doesn't work, my boss is going to hire me back because I'm pretty awesome and he's pretty awesome. And I would love to work for him again. And I think we forget about, we can go get another job, right? A job, we can get a job, but what we can't do is live a life that's incongruent with who we are because it'll eat us up alive.
1: Yes. Yeah. And I think it just makes me think of, you know, the authenticity, like how much do we worry about what people think? And Mm. What are we projecting? Are we being, if we're being honest and open and authentic and chances are they're going to accept that and support us and be great and if they're not, then we have to, you know, I don't know, I guess it's starting to figure out who's great in my life and why and who's Mm. not and why and navigating that. Some people that should be great might not be great but if we can understand where that might come from, you know, is it their stuff? Is it their their are they envious? Are they going through a hard time? Are we misreading the situation? Are we misreading it and projecting our own insecurities. Or are they projecting their insecurities onto us? Can we resolve it? Can we move forward otherwise? You know, I think there's a lot. There's a lot to learn to navigate. And it becomes really important when we when we get on a traje- trajectory of changing or going somewhere new or really leveling up because one of the biggest I think it's a Jim Rohn quote one of the biggest ones I like to live by is your top five people the top five people you spend time with is who you become Mm -hmm. and I'm very mindful of that so what you have to learn is there'll be people that mean a lot to you but they might not necessarily align with who should be your top five and doesn't mean Mm -hmm. they're bad people but you know, so we got to, I think we've got to navigate that and, you know, figure out and not hold, you know, if people walk away from us, there's sometimes we've got to let go. Mm.
0: But, but that's a lot to unpack. That's a lot to unpack. It's a lot yeah. to unpack because we're, we we want people, like you said, we don't want to be rejected. We don't want to be seen as, oh, well, uh, this person's going to be mad at me. So how, mm. do, how do we do that, Tiffany? How do we, because we got to have this top five if we want to get into our purpose, but how do we do that? Because we know this other person is just draining. We love them, but they're draining. So what would you suggest?
1: I think, I mean, I feel like I've been on a real level, a real journey of self-awareness. And Mm. that first smacked me in the face in the boxing ring. And it smacked me in the face because after a couple of years, I found myself revisiting memories that I hadn't thought of a long time of childhood trauma that I kind of yeah. stuffed away and pretended didn't happen and p- kind of probably believed didn't happen. And then it, it started coming up and I feel like it was a part of the physical environment. There were alliances with the boxing ring that was bringing up situations and emotions that made me look deep and I went, oh. And so as I started to unpack this self-awareness thing and figure yeah. out who I was, and you know, like for example I thought I thought for 29 years I'm independent, I'm strong, I'm, you know, like uh, this facade that I put on, Mm. I had the biggest walls up around me but when I unpacked it, like one of my first questions was am I I really strong and certain and independent or Mm. like why is a punch in the face not scary to me? Mm. But vulnerability and trust in someone and getting hurt and abandoned is very scary to me so it was a comparison thing I was like oh maybe it is scary but you know I've so I realized I'd learned to suppress emotions I'd realized I'd learned to reframe life in a way that sounds really gung-ho and impressive and probably wasn't really the case I'd learned that there were there were attributes to my personality that I developed as a child that made me you know a bit of a killer in the boxing ring they were great (laughs) traits not really great in life not really great Mm -hmm. in building relationships um, not really great in long-term happiness mm. so I guess around that I just think I'm always kind of sitting outside of myself now and mm. watching and uh, I guess just understanding where something comes from and you know I have an opinion will that change I know my opinions have changed over the years and I see things differently and I communicate differently. And when I haven't, you know, how did I used to view people and their actions and their reactions and now how has that changed? It's changed a lot. So I'm a little, I'm a lot more fluid. I, you know, and also there's that, there's that version of perception is reality. Perception Mm. is reality. So how do I choose to perceive this situation? And as long as it's not hurting someone else, how's the best way to perceive it for me? We get to choose mm-hmm. that. We get to choose whatever you look for in life, you will see. If you go outside and you're going to look for red cars, you'll see them everywhere.
0: Mm-hmm. If you go to
1: look for blue cars, you're not going to see the red cars. So what what are we choosing to look for? Because when I one thing I'd often say to Craig over the years, the amount of times, you know, because I would hit him up for mentoring here and there, Sometimes he, I remember years ago, he helped me with a speaker bio. I was like, I'd like to start, you know, getting out there as a speaker. And I said, Would you mind having a look over my bio? And I remember he took the time to, to he rang me up. I remember where I was standing when he rang me. And he said, It's okay but it's not as good as you are. And I, I remember mm, him just wow. kind of pumping up my tyres and I thought, oh, my God, I can't believe this guy, this amazing speaker, has just told me that, you know, that I'm worth this much and that, you know, and then he took the time to rewrite it for me and I was amazed. And, you mm. God, I just lost my train of thought, Doc. What was I saying that no, for? No, no,
0: you you were no you 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 were going into a place of vulnerability and how you had to you talked about the self awareness and I, how you had to reframe different things and really just be okay with be okay with the situations that you had to grow from, right? And so um, that's what I heard you say because it sounds like the hit in the face made you reflect. Why was I this tough? Did I have to be this tough? And it was some baggage that you had to unpack. Sounds like that's what you were saying.
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I just think that, you know, when I I look at myself and I look at other people and that very much kind of runs in the background now and I think that it's really helpful.
0: Mm-hmm. So it sounds like you've allowed people to be people because you've allowed yourself to heal from the different things that you've been through. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I love that. I think that's what we get in trouble sometimes is we have these expectations that we put on others and then we put this facade on ourselves acting like we do it and we got it all together. And so it sounds like when you talk to Craig, like he, no, I'm not perfect. And you're like, no, you are. I've always thought you were. He's like, no, yeah. I'm not. <laughs> you know, I can't walk on water just yet. So um that's good to hear that. So I wanna um so now, so now you're working with your mentor. You get an opportunity to do, to do that. So what are some things that you tell your clients now? How do you get your client that's at that lowest point? How do you get them to understand that they have something special inside of them? The same type of um, water that you that you got your cup filled up with through Craig. How are you filling others' cup?
1: When I first, the first time I trained uh, a girl to, for a fight to fight, she, I had, I hadn't been a fighter for that long, and it was a corporate fight in the corporate gym. And I'd only just started as a trainer there. And the owner of the gym said, "Oh, she signed up for the fight because I'd invited her." And he said, "Oh, so you're gonna be a trainer?" I was like, "Oh, oh no, I can't train people to fight." Um, little did I realize, a couple, having a couple of years in the amateurs and coming back to that gym, I did know way more than I'd given myself credit for. But, but I remember, I was she chose me as her trainer without even asking and I was blown away. But the reason was she said to me, I'd met her at a different gym and mm. I'd partnered with her for a class. And at the end of the class I said, You're you've got you've got something really special. You've you she was at the time she was a bigger girl. She was she was on a weight loss journey. But she just mm. she just trained so hard. You know when someone trains so hard that their face goes red and then they train. Well this is for us Aussie people and Tassie people that have very <laughs> pale skin. We go like tomatoes when we train. So she there had gone go. so red that, and she pushed a bit harder and her, the red started to go white. That's how hard she was pushing. And I was oh, like, wow. this chick's amazing. Wow. And, and at the end, I, I told her that and she goes, you know, I when I joined this gym ages ago, I joined it asking about fighting. I wanted, but the trainers never brought it up again. And I said, you should definitely, definitely fight. You definitely have what it takes. And that, because that's what, that was the tap on the shoulder I was waiting for and nobody gave me. Mm. And that's the tap on the shoulder is all anyone. Because if I can win a boxing fight, anyone, honestly, anyone, I am so uncoordinated. You know, I had no athletic training growing up. I had no coordination You know, there was nothing underlying my skills and abilities. If I can win, if I can win uh, novice titles um, and anyone can. Mm. I was like, I just you just need to tap someone on the shoulder. You just need to say, hey, this is where I was. Like don't put people on pedestals. This is where I was and you definitely can. Mm. And I think that's all people really sometimes need is that reminder.
0: Yeah, yeah. That they have something great inside of them,
1: yeah. And I think wow. sometimes it's it's just not being captured by the stuff that's happened to us. I remember mm. when I when I opened that door to the past, and and I went, oh, this is this is what's been the the reason for a lot of my personality traits. This is the reason that I've developed like this and have these strengths in inverted commas, mm. questionable, <laughs> <laughs> but. I remember thinking that and then when when I opened that door on the stuff from the past, there was mm. a time and I, I remember knocking on Craig's door, asking the question over and over, I was like, self-awareness, it's great. I learned this stuff, but now I feel stuck. Now sometimes I actually feel like it's a vortex pulling me back. Oh mm. yeah, but oh yeah, but this is this is me, this because this happened. And I mm. see that a lot in people with trauma sometimes our trauma we learn about it we open the door on it we talk about it that's cool but mm-hmm. then sometimes there's a real trap for it defining us and it and it just it can't it doesn't there's a le- we got to learn it and then we've got to move out and away from it again
0: yeah yeah so and i think and, I, and I, think- I
1: feel like that's really important it's really important to help people frame around their traumas that traumas aren't that traumas are positive they're a really positive thing we grow so much from them
0: i i heard it said and i say it all the time and i think i took it on as mine. it's never happening to you it's always happening for you and if we can figure out a way to reframe any situation and 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 you're right and i think i definitely believe that those experiences if we don't unpack them I think we do ourselves a disservice because we'll always go back to that place eventually and we have to be able to deal with it. But I think you're right on where, okay, so now what? And, and, And that's the part where I can go in that place and I can sit in that place, but if I don't know how to move from that place. And so I was telling one of my clients a couple of weeks ago and I said, I've learned how to even reframe death. This is just me. And this young man had lost his mom. I said, well, you didn't lose your mom. I said, there's so many things that she's taught you that will always be with you Mm -hmm. and you'll go on and you'll have kids and you'll be able to share those things that you learned. So I need you because I said, it's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult, but I can't have you stuck. I need you to understand that she wouldn't want you stuck because she loved you even more Mm -hmm. than you could ever imagine. And you loved her. So why would she want you to be in a position where you do nothing? So take those experiences that she taught you and use those experiences and add it for fuel to your fire. So being able to reframe. Go ahead.
1: You just reminded me what, at one point through that, that journey, I started journaling and writing about the mm. stuff. And I was writing about this particular person. And as I was writing mid-sentence, I actually completely did a 180 and started writing, I actually think that I should maybe even thank that person because I wouldn't have the strengths and the independence and all of these really positive attributes if it wasn't for that. And then I just I remember just putting this pen down and looking at it and going, whoa, I didn't see that coming. Yeah. <laughs> and it's true. It's true. We can't take the, the, the bad without the good and we can't take the good without the bad. And life wasn't uh, meant to be easy, and life wasn't without without the the lows. There is no highs because if it was all uh, high, it'd just be middle. It'd just be middle yeah. ground and normal to yeah. us. It's the lows yeah. that make the highs feel yeah. magnificent because we don't yeah. always feel it.
0: Definitely, definitely, I, I love that you said that, and I have a similar um, situation with my dad. I didn't grow up with my dad; wasn't in my life. And about three years ago, Tiffany, I called him four years ago. I called him and I said, I just want to apologize. He was like, apologize for what? And I said, I just want to apologize because for years I didn't like you. I hated you because you were never in my life. I said, but listen, I said, from this day forward, I release it. I love you. You did the best you could do. With what you had and what you were willing to do. I said, so if you want to have a relationship, I have a 17 year old, or 15 year old. But if you want to have a relationship with your grandkids, I welcome it. But from this day forward, I release powerful. it and I love you. And so it was funny because three weeks later, Tiffany, I had epiphany and I was like, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. My dad is a genius. I'm at every event that my kids have ever since they were young. Um, I'm, I mean, the, the, the violin recitals for, for hours. For, I'm at everything, basketball, everything, because he taught me by not being there how important it is for me to be there. So when we're able to reframe those things, that's what we say. You know what? What can I learn from this? And so he's made me into a great dad. So I thank him for that.
1: That is so good. I bet your kids thank him (laughs) too.
0: I I, I bet, I bet they do. Because once again, my daughter just had me come an hour away to a basketball game yesterday in traffic, but I was there and she scored four points. So I was glad I was there and got to videotape it. Tiffany, I know we're getting close to the hour and I want to make sure, I want to make sure that I get this question asked to you as well. So you're a boxer, you're a boxer, but you're not just a boxer, you're an entrepreneur but you're not just an entrepreneur all of these different things you were able to learn these lessons that once again we call failures or we but they're opportunities so you were if t- you were able to take advantage of all these opportunities so i got five words for you ready tiffany boxing strength strength strength, strength. courage woman
1: Empowerment. Girl. Soft. 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 Precious.
0: I got to ask you one more. Fear. Fuel. I love it. I love it. Tiffany, this has been a phenomenal interview. I thank you for all the different nuggets that you gave to the listening audience. But I got to ask you, where can the people find you? Where can they find you, Tiffany?
1: They can find me. I, have, I do have my own podcast. It is called aptly named Roll With The Punches. So you can find me there. I speak to people who do just that in life and a whole bunch of stuff. I am on Instagram at Tiffany and Co. That's Tiffany with a double E, -E T-I-F-F-A-N-E-E and Co. Roll With The Punches podcast is also on Instagram. And Tiffanyandco.com.au is my website.
0: I love it. Why did you name your podcast Roll With The Punches? What made you come up with that name?
1: I was just, I was driving to the gym with all of my mics to to do my very first experimental episode and the name just popped into my head and I thought what a great what a great name it's a boxing analogy but it's a life analogy and honestly I wanted to talk to people about how they've rolled with the punches or how we can best prepare ourselves psychologically and physiologically and emotionally to roll with the punches when we need to
0: mm. once again this has been the purpose lab where we're on a mission to interview the world's most successful p- failures failures who understand imper- the importance of rolling with the pur- rolling with the punches so tiffany thank you thank you thank you once again um i enjoyed this mate i truly truly did
1: thanks doc thanks Appreciate mate
0: We send our best stuff to our insiders, so make sure you're on the list at aimhighu.com slash insiders.